2: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
0: Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at chompacasino.com.
2: Everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queen's Amazing Avenues Minor League Podcast. I am Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos and Thomas Henderson. How are you guys doing?
3: Doing okay. I'm doing well. May or may not have delayed the recording of this podcast by an
2: hour and a half
3: due to my poor <laughs> time management skills, but, you know, so it goes.
2: It happens. What can you do? Who among us? Exactly. Um... So, promote, extend, trade. I got video game crew here. So, early in the week, um, Star Wars Andor came out about the aforementioned Cassian Andor. Um, before we Have you watched ch- it yet? Yes. Have Is you? Good. Um, I'm not really feeling it. I don't dislike it, though. I, I'm giving it a ch- I feel like it's going to get better. Mm-hmm. So, I'm definitely going to give it a chance. I'm not going to prejudge it or anything That but, seems reasonable yeah um obviously you know obi-wan came out a couple of months ago boba fett came out like a year ago we have Andor now there's the ahsoka show coming out the strategy is to make you know tv shows now which is a fine strategy so what video game adaptations would we want for a star wars tv show if you were in charge of the uh, production schedule First okay. up, we have Knights of the Old Republic. Then we have Fallen Jedi Order. And last is Rogue Squadron.
1: Hmm. <sighs> That's... I can I see Rogue Squadron in the style of, um. well, I'm blanking on the name. The It was like the, the pilot game that came out. Recently? Are you talking
2: about the one with like the Naboo Starfighter? I got no, got that's that, that was uh, that was Jedi Starfighter, I think it was called, or just Starfighter. Rogue Squadron is from like the the like the
3: OG one.
2: Yeah, from like DOS, <laughs> not yeah. not exactly DOS, but the the, the mid nineties Windows ninety five.
3: I so I mean
2: it, like, it's it, difficult it to judge. was and
1: it was uh. It was just called Squadrons, and you play as you only play as ship stuff, you only do ship stuff the whole game, and it's fun, it's quite good. And um, I could see Rogue Squadron doing something like that, where you Mm -hmm. kind of focus on that side of
3: it. I'm torn about how I'd feel about Kotor because I mean, I love Kotor but it's a, one of those uh, OG BioWare games where your decisions impact things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if you make a show, you have to... That said, there is a canon. Yeah, I was going
1: to say, there's the a story, canon.
3: so right? It's not like Mass Effect, where they refuse to make anything canon. Uh, I think I'd want to see KOTOR. Like That seems the most rich to me. Um, but there's a lot of good stuff in there.
2: But do you think that the likelihood of them fucking it up is the highest (laughs) out of all of those?
3: You say that, but honestly, the Star Wars show, for as bad as the movies have been, the shows have have been been between good and excellent, I would argue. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, Boba Fett was a little hit or miss, especially towards the end, but everything Mandalorian has been great. Thomas and I... Well, mostly i go on and on about the animated shows so
1: they're great they, they are that's...
2: Maybe, like i'm
3: hype beyond measure for ahsoka like
2: maybe that's not the right phrase then that they would screw it up would would you say that knights of the republic is the one that would be most difficult to translate from the video game to the screen accurately i don't think that's true
3: mo- either
2: Honestly. I think it would be the most scrutinized, though,
1: because of yes, because yeah, of yeah. how how much like KOTOR lives in people's hearts in terms of how popular it is. Like, yes. it's a, people have loved that
3: game for like, it, decades, it, it literally decades. Star Wars, basically. Like it is the. I mean, calling it an OG game probably makes some older video game players very annoyed, but it's like the OG decision based story RPG
2: yeah, definitely. I don't know if it, if it created, but it definitely resuscitated that computer RPG genre from like, you know,
1: it also put it on consoles like, yes, that was it came out on the original Xbox. So I was, played like, it on
3: the original Xbox yeah, when too. I was younger and it was I horrifically my- unstable. It would just crash <laughs> every two minutes and I still finished it because it was so fucking good. My
1: I have, I, right have I have the disc so my my original Xbox my support disc. I have two nice. also. I have both of them.
3: Um my other hot take here is that Fallen Order is overrated. Like it was I, fine. I, I, I it was fine.
2: Yeah, I had no problems with it, but thinking in the context of translating it to a TV show, I feel like that would be the easiest to do because it has a very linear oh, story, absolutely. very established characters you can only go in one direction and you also have an actual actor yeah but, and that guy is literally yeah. like the characters yeah, the the, they, is they've done too. that
3: intentionally in multiple yeah. games and now shows where they cast of uh or they model the character design after real life actors so that if they want to translate it to live action they're set
1: that game has a lot of good bones too but i just hated how honestly i hated that they made me go back through the map I know I, haven't it, I was, haven't. it was so it frustrating to me. It, like I, I, I get what it was trying to do, and I appreciate it because it was a little different. But also, I didn't want to do that. I realized that pretty quickly that I didn't want to. I didn't
3: want that the game to play that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, there were a lot of things that were good about that game. Like getting Dathomir was pretty cool. Going to um. Uh oh my God, the planet with the Kyber crystals. No Illum. like that was that was really neat to see in canon but but then a lot of the other stuff was just like i i don't care and frankly i found the characters a little boring as well
1: it strikes me as a game that the sequel is going to be really good when they figure out the what worked and what didn't that that strikes me as a game like because they are making a sequel it Mm -hmm. strikes that like assassin's creed 1 because i played assassin's creed One. i was like i see how, how this is going to be good But it's not there yet, and then 2 was amazing. And Mm -hmm. here we are. So I could see them kind of ironing it out, you know? Mm
3: -hmm. We've gone on a long time about this. I still think I want (laughs) KOTOR as a show before the others. Because basically I trust uh, Filoni implicitly with Star Wars at this point. Like, until he fucks something up, I have so much faith in him to do right by... The things Star Wars fans care about, shall we say, because he very clearly is us, right? Like he feels the same way about Star Wars that all of us do. Unlike people like, say, J.J. Abrams or, uh, at the risk of stirring up a shitstorm, like Kathleen Kennedy or the other people at Star Wars. But I trust Favreau and filoni implicitly. So give me a, and a, a good KOTOR show would be incredible.
2: Mm-hmm. Can't argue.
3: And then I'll go Rogue Squadron and trade Fallen Order.
2: So I think what, what would make Rogue Squadron interesting is that it's definitely at least uh, – you know, it, it's definitely a kind of subject matter that there's really not a lot – like, there's obviously the books and comics and stuff. But in terms of, like, yeah. stuff on the screen, like, it would be, you know, all of these new shows, Space Battles is not something that is really relevant to any of them.
1: In, and that in, could be a really good TV show. like. Mm-hmm a long-standing thing about one squadron. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. you could get really invested in their space battles, and they don't have to be the longest. Like, you could flesh them out more, because you could do multiple episodes about a space... I'm thinking, like, kind of, like, make it, like, a Gundam-esque show, you know? Hell
3: yeah, that'd be sick.
1: For the anime fans out there. Because then you could really get invested in the space battles, because you could have them last two, three episodes if you need to. And you could do other stuff in other episodes. You could do a lot with that.
3: I will also say... The, and I should say this about the, another thought occurs about Fallen Order. I, I if some people bitch and moan about the Inquisitors in general, I quite like the Inquisitors, but they're in a lot of media already. So I don't know mm-hmm. that I we need another show with the Inquisitors as the antagonists. Uh, mm-hmm. Rogue Squadron would be different from that, obviously, and, and KOTOR would be very different like that. Do something else. Like there's a lot of really great content about rebellion and uh, post rebellion now that's being made. Go to another time period. Yeah, you could easily do that. There's a lot of space to fill.
2: No a lot of space and space. Can we
3: get? Can we just get a show about those two random X-wing pilots who try to arrest uh, uh, Mando, and then they're like, and then don't want to fire file paperwork because you know, <laughs> it, that's all of us.
2: Yeah. All right, moving on now to how the Mets affiliates did. Uh, first up, the Syracuse Mets, and they played the Worcester Red Sox this week. They went four and three against them. This is the first series that Syracuse has won in a while. Do you guys have any any idea how many weeks it's been since the last time Syracuse won a series? Martha Howard, any guesses? Five. Five weeks.
3: Ah, uh, same thing. <laughs>
2: This is the first full series that Syracuse has won since they played the Buffalo Bisons the week of July 4th. Fuck. (laughs) One,
3: two, so that's like ten. Yeah. Jesus.
2: You know, they've split a couple, and they've lost a ton. So, yeah, it's been about two months. Crazy.
1: I guess I figured one of the splits was a win, and I didn't realize, you know. <laughs> wishful thinking <laughs> that's bad though Jeez. yeah you know, who
3: knew that getting France, a healthy francisco alvarez back in the lineup would be a, a boon to the team yeah. yeah curious
2: couple guys in the roster are uh, having good weeks this week and hopefully they continue uh syracuse is going to be wrapping up their season with a three-game series against the lehigh valley iron pigs Obviously, Syracuse is way out of it. So are the Iron Pigs. So it's a, a pointless series, and and some of these guys hopefully can pad their stats a little, a little more. Iron uh, Pigs oh. are Phillies, right? Yes.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. well, most of the Phillies' talent is all uh, Double A now. So Iron Pigs will probably be good next year, but they're pretty yeah, good. they'll be good next
1: year, I think. Mm-hmm.
3: And they could run out an able Painter McGarry rotation next year, like their Double A team did at the end of this season. Mm-hmm. They're gonna awesome. dominate Triple A with that. Except the Phillies might need them in the majors. Uh,
1: yeah, they might. They might not last
2: very long. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jose Budo he pitched on Wednesday. He had the best start of the year. Um, he, uh, of his year I should say. He threw seven scoreless innings. He gave up two hits. He blocked one, and he struck out eleven batters, which is a season high and a career high. It's the second time that he did that. Uh, the first time was in June when he was still in Double A with Binghamton. So he's ending his season on a high note after. Good for him. Yeah, uh, after his his spot start a couple of weeks ago did not go well, and then he's kind of been eh so so in Syracuse uh, since then.
3: Look, we we on this podcast have maligned Jose Buto a lot, justifiably <laughs> so. But like, right, right, right. Yeah, if he develops, he's a fine eighth or ninth starter. Like, if you need to spot start Jose Buto. Once, it's fine. I think. Yeah, and yeah
1: I mean, I, sure. it was, the won, only I don't want to. I don't want to be results based, but they won that game, so it's not, <laughs> <laughs> it's not because of
3: him. But it was mostly in spite of him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean,
2: his spot, his start was basically uh, forced by circumstance. That Walker was hurt, Carrasco was hurt, Peterson wasn't able to pitch, McGill is hurt. You know, like it was just a bunch of. Right, I mean that's exactly the stars stars aligned.
3: That's what you want Jose Buto for, so you can call him up. He can you throw a couple innings, hopefully better. Usually, I would expect better than the ones he did, and you don't have to sign Jared Ichkov. Exactly, exactly. And God knows I don't want
1: to see that again. No, (laughs) no, thank you. Uh,
3: Uh, Another Syracuse-related question. If that's okay, Steve, I know sure. I'm derailing things here as usual, as is my want after showing up 90 <laughs> minutes late. I think um, we all love talking
2: about Syracuse, so but go yeah. ahead.
3: Is, is is Francisco Alvarez going to pull a Juan Upez here? And for those of you who do not remember Juan Upez, he's a pretty decent first-base prospect for the Cardinals who made his debut in the playoffs last year. So I think there's a chance the Mets actually I – mean, he, Alvarez is – Sure is killing the ball, and the Mets' right-hand DH options are
2: not. Yeah, uh, he went this week 7-for-17 seven with two doubles and a homer, which is good. And four walks to five strikeouts, which is also good. Um, he's it, it, it is the best that he's looked at Syracuse for the entire season since he's been there uh, July 4th. That was his first game with Circus and the last one that he played until he was put on the injured list because of the ankle injury was August 23rd. So you got a good month and a half there. He hit 180, 340, 378. Six homers, which is okay. 24 walks, good. You know, 40 strikeouts is a little high, but whatever. At least he wasn't disgusting to the yeah. to the game uh, a little bit.
3: Yeah,
2: right? exactly, exactly. At least he wasn't a complete black hole because of those things but since he came back he is hitting now at 368 442 658 with three homers six walks and 12 strikeouts so fewer strikeouts same amount of walks the power the average you know 11 games is is still a pretty small sample size but you know he's not hurt anymore we don't know you know the extent of the injury and how much it was affecting him He's, or how long he had it, right? Right. Like, I mean, it could have been bothering him for an entire month. Who knows? It was like
1: the Brett Beatty thing. <laughs> yeah. He went on IL and then came back, and he played his way into a major league promotion before he messed his thumb up. That like, mm-hmm. we never, you don't know, and we don't really have access to that as with the minor leagues. They even they they don't talk about that shit unless someone gets hurt and they leaked it to DeComo. But otherwise, we'll never know if these guys are hurt. We just have to figure it out, kind of.
3: I don't know. I'd be, and yeah, that that was, that was certainly a possibility. And, like, look, Alvarez also does still have a bit of a tendency to swing at 55-foot curveballs every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sure. It's kind of the thingy, the one thing he does wrong at this point.
1: If he didn't, he'd be a 20-year-old in the majors. Correct. Like, yes. A month ago.
3: <laughs> I'm, I have no faith in Mark Vientos. I know he homered yesterday, but... He's had a good series, but yes. It's also the A's. Exactly. And (sighs) I don't think Darren Ruff is cooked. I don't think he's functionally a different hitter than he was in San Francisco. But you also can't keep waiting for him to come out of the funk. Yeah, it's
2: Mm -hmm.
1: it's an unfortunate situation because. You're right. And they traded, they did trade a lot From they traded, I think the best prospect that they traded was in that rough deal with Carson Seymour. Yep. I'm trying to but, think
3: who else they traded. Yeah, I yeah,
1: think was, I agree it's with you. crazy. Yeah.
2: Seymour, um,
3: wax, a pucky and
1: Davis. JD Davis. Yeah, I, I don't, since JD Davis is a major leaguer, I don't yeah, think yeah,
3: that,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But you're right. I don't think Ruff is completely cooked. It's just he's really in a bad slump, but also, can you go into, Hopefully the uh, NLDS with a guy in a deep slump as your right-handed DH, L- chances are he's not going to play a lot because you'll see more righties and lefties. But still, it's going to be big pinch hitting situations and stuff. And
3: I I mean, that's not- another question though, right? Do you trust a and would Buck use a un- an untested rookie in those spots? And I don't know how true this is, but the standard baseball wisdom is that you can't it's not fair to shove young players in those big spots as pinch hitters because they don't perform. Um, I don't know how much I believe that, but... uh, I was talking
1: to uh, Jeffrey Padanostra about this, a friend of the podcast, um, and he basically made a good point that it would also let Buck pinch hit his catchers more because Mm -hmm. he very clearly doesn't want to pinch hit a catcher when there's only one other one on the roster, Mm -hmm. which... I don't necessarily think I disagree with, because you never know. Catchers get hurt, freak shit Let happens.
3: Let and- Guilherme catch.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he wants to do that, but yes. Like, that's what happens. So if you have a Alvarez, even if he's buried on the playoff roster and doesn't play a lot, neither is Vientos. So then you have a third catcher who, if in a big spot, you could pinch hit Vogelback or Naquin for nito or mccann and then use the other one and then alvarez is still there in case mccann breaks his finger you know mm-hmm. like that 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 allows buck to do that and i think that's valuable as well but i don't know if the mets are even thinking about that even though i i i think they should and i think they should use this uh these roster spots for a third catcher for that reason but nito has been good this month so i guess he's <laughs> i guess they're just riding the hot hands
3: I'm trying to figure out how this would work roster-wise, right? So they're at 28 right now, and you have to make a spot for Marte already. So Vientos is going to go. Yeah. And then probably Drew Smith and Trevor
1: Williams? I guess. I don't know that's a, losing a lot of pitching but then you yeah. could use your starters in the bullpen right okay.
3: and that and that's just that's that that's without shoving alvarez on this roster then to get yeah. alvarez on the roster you either have to go all in on it and ditch rough or next to go would be you can't get
1: rid of Joelly. i don't think i, I don't think they're going to run because peterson is going to be the other lefty, right? But yeah, I would think AD so. Back, are they gonna really run Lucchese out there as their your lugie? No.
3: But then you'd also need to make a spot for Lucchese. Like Yeah, it's tough. It's there's gonna be a lot of questions. That's sad. And like, I don't envy them trying to figure that out. The thing the guy didn't enact like I think there's a real chance that I would rather have Francisco Alvarez on the playoff roster than Trevor May, given how he's looked. Um hmm. I don't know. This is not trivial to figure out no it's it's an important decision
1: all these decisions are really important because it's that's the whole ball game you know
2: yep 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 one more important decision though luckily this one doesn't need to be made imminently he's the last guy in Syracuse that's worth paying attention to that's also having a good good series Jake Mangum he was seven for 25 this week with two doubles a triple one walk to four strikeouts and he is now hitting 307, four. Uh, excuse me, 307, 365, 445, and 71 games in the season. And more specifically with Syracuse, he is hitting 338, 371, 481. He needs to be put on the 40-man roster in in at the end of November, beginning of December, whenever it is. Who knows what the 40-man roster looks like in a couple of months from now? But does he get added? I mean.
1: I think so. I, I, I hope think so, so and they let him fight for the fourth outfield spot. Yeah. Fourth fifth yep. outfield spot whatever.
2: Cuz I mean realistically he profiles as a fourth, you know, a defense first fourth outfielder and yeah like you you know, like a Jankowski type. Right, and exactly. And that's something that's like, all right, cool, whatever, but he's also Jake Mangum. He has his Jake Mangum powers you know <laughs> i meant
3: I meant to think about this and look into the forty man situation more uh, and I don't want I, I wound up not doing it because I'm lazy and also the guys over at baseball America haven't made their excellent primary yet, but I think you could get him onto the forty man pretty easily like yeah uh, looking yeah. at the forty man now it's full and you have to make room for. Sean Reed Foley, if you want to keep him, and Joey Lucchese and John Curtis. I think you let Sean Reed Foley go. You can let Michael Perez is a free agent. Who cares? Or maybe he's not, but you can let him go. Tyler Naquin is a free agent. Brandon Nimmo is a free agent. Uh, I'm Karen sure they Dom. Yeah, yeah, probably DFA Dom. Um, like there, there are spots to be. Uh, you want Yoan Lopez is still on the. Fo- Michael Givens is a free agent. Tommy Hunter. Yeah, uh, wow, there's a lot coming off. Did they give? Oh, and then Degrom, of course, will opt out. uh Walker's a free agent. going to come back, like <laughs> mm-hmm. right. Okay. But at least for the off-season 40-man, the initial 40-man management, they have a lot of room. Um, is only a one-year deal too, right? Yeah. Lugo's a free agent. May is a free agent. Diaz is a free agent. <laughs> they have they have room on the 40. I think the. <laughs>
2: Wow, I didn't realize there was that many. Yeah, I mean there's there's so much guys on the periphery that are going to be going. So,
3: I think I think they'd have room for Mangum even without all these free agents, but at the start of the offseason they will put Mangum on the 40 and deal with DFAing him later if they have yeah. to, but I don't think they'll get to that point because this team has no outfield depth. <laughs> yeah. He they, Introduce they, they almost
1: I he probably get claimed too by some bad teams.
3: Yes, I think. Oh, 100%. So. Look, I think I've never been a Christian Pache fan, but, like, if Christian Pache is getting as many at-bats as the A's are giving him, someone will give Jake Mangum some major league at-bats. I think he'd get Rule 5 picked as well. Like very yeah, early. I think so. Absolutely. I can see
1: that. Because then for the for a team, you think, hey, we could get a free fourth outfielder for nothing. Exactly.
3: Yep. Exactly.
1: And if he's bad, then who cares if you're sending him back to the Mets? Mm-hmm.
3: He's also valuable to have on your 40 man because you want to have optionable, an optionable fifth outfielder, an optionable sixth infielder, an optionable like three optionable bullpen arms. Like that's good to have around because you can't really sign optionable names most of the time. So you make room for him yeah. for him on the 40.
1: Because like one of the biggest problems the Mets have had recently is all those guys have to get DFA'd. Yep. Because they're not optionable, and sometimes the Mariners claim Travis Shankowski, and then you're like, oh damn that kind of sucks <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like you don't want him to get claimed but in a, a mangum situation he doesn't like you could just sneak him through you can mm-hmm. send him down i mean and call it a day
3: this is a total non-sequitur but i did not know that tyler mcgill is six foot seven yeah he's yeah. huge he's a huge dude i knew it was tall but holy shit <laughs> i had no idea
0: step into the world of power loyalty At LuckyLandSlots.com.
1: Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
2: All right. uh, Moving on now to Binghamton. Guess what? No Binghamton. Thankfully, the season is done. Thank you, sweet, merciful God. (laughs) Moving on to Brooklyn. Unfortunately, they did not win their playoff series, and their season is done. They're going to be good next year, though. Yep.
3: Yeah, that Brooklyn, I I need to get out to a Brooklyn game next year, which I said last off season too. But actually, everyone moved through Brooklyn much faster than I thought they would. So. Yeah, I think they're going to have some staying power there next year,
1: mm-hmm.
2: as we're going to talk about soon. Yep, that's because St. Lucie Mets are a good team. They played mm-hmm. the Dunedin Blue Jays in a best-of-three series for the Florida State League Championship. And guess what? They swept it. And they are the 2022 Florida State League champions. The fourth time that they've been the Florida State League champions.
3: This is one of those moments where I wish I had a soundboard so I could do like the Monty <laughs> Python. <laughs>
2: and there was much rejoicing.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> no, we definitely we were forced need.
3: to eat Sir Robin's minstrels. There was much rejoicing. Anyway, definitely
2: need DJ noise. Thomas got it right. <laughs> <Errol>. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, game one, which was last uh, Sunday night, basically right after we recorded last week's episode. Super exciting game. Back and forth, going to the ninth inning. Unfortunately, St. Lucie fend themselves down 5-4. Bottom of the ninth inning now, DeAndre Smith. He lines out to center, one out. Next bat- batter, Kevin Parada. He walks on four pitches. Nothing was even remotely close, so I guess they were just pitching him around him. Next batter is Chase Estep, struck out. So literally down to their last out, Carlos Dominguez did what he does best, and he smoked one over the center field wall, and he gave St. Lucie the lead. You Ramon- stepped that so
3: fast, I couldn't make a snarky remark about striking out.
2: Well, his first, <laughs> the first, the first pitch that he took, he swung, and it was a terrible swing. And, and <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Uh, Ramon Gomez, he was brought in the sixth inning. And he was basically perfect up until the ninth inning. Uh, He stayed in in the game. And in the ninth inning, he got a pair of weak pop-ups and then a routine fly ball to end the game. So St. Lucie up one game to none. Game two on Wednesday, I believe. Tuesday or Wednesday. Either one. St. Lucie was in control for basically the entire time. They scored two runs in the first inning. They scored one run in the second inning. They scored three runs in the fourth inning. So early on made a huge 6 to nothing lead. Blade Tidwell was, was excellent. We'll talk about him a little bit more in a little bit. But he he gave St. Lucie five scoreless innings before getting replaced by Javier Atencio. And Atencio, in his time on the mound, he gave up a three-run homer. So that basically cut the lead in half. And Paul Gervais replaced him. Uh, Atencio only managed to record one out. And Gervais righted the ship. He held things down for the rest of the game. Got a little shaky in the ninth inning. Uh, He walked a batter, and he allowed a single back-to-back. So uh, the Blue Jays had some guys on base, but then he got a much-needed strikeout, and he induced a double play to end the game. And that was that. And hooray, St. Lucie, Mets are champions. So, yeah, I I think at this point, it wasn't really... Too much doubt, I don't think, in anybody's minds. But I think at this point, it is 100% solidified that Blade Tidwell is undoubtedly the Mets' Mm -hmm. top-pitching prospect. Yep. Uh, You know, five scoreless innings in this game. He gave up three hits. He walked two and struck out seven. uh, In the playoffs as a whole, he pitched 9.2 innings. uh, Scoreless, he led five hits, walked two and struck out 13. And you add his... um, Playoff resume to what he did in the regular season, and in 19 innings combined, he had a 0.95 ERA, nine hits allowed, 11 walks, and 24 strikeouts. The control, you know, a little, little not great. You know, 11 walks in 19 innings is not particularly great. It's a 6.8 walks per nine. But at the same time, you know, he's coming from college, where you know, college umpire in college strike zones, whatever. And then obviously down there in the Florida State League, they have the automatic ball strike system. So there is a level of adjustment. But, you know, this stuff has looked good. He's looked good. And, you know, the only competition that he has for best pitching prospect in the system, Dominic Hamill or Jose Budo, and neither one of those guys have the stuff that Tidwell has, that they haven't had the results. They don't have the pedigree, you know. They just yeah. have possibly healthier shoulders. Yeah. But if Sidwell had a healthier shoulder,
3: he would not have been there where
1: the. No. Nope. No. No. Exactly. It's a good pick. Like. Yeah, it's a very good pick.
3: This is the kind of dice roll you should be taking in the third round. Like, if you're not cutting it for money, which is also fine if you're using that money smartly. Um. Like, good, good dice roll. I think yeah. your your hit rate is so low on a lot of the picks like they, they outside of the first or top of the top of the draft basically like take some risks.
1: Yeah, taking the the safe college bat or whatever. Like everyone knows that dude's probably not going to be good. Sometimes they are, but chances are they're not. So take the guy who might be hurt but also might be really talented and he obviously is good. He's obviously a good prospect. He's going to he's their best pitching prospect by a pretty healthy margin, I think, so.
2: Mm-hmm. And obviously there's some younger guys that maybe one day, you know, you have the Joel Diaz's, your Calvin Zieglers, but apples and oranges, you know, these are guys that are either coming right out of high school this you know, or or you know, are international players that just got recently brought stateside. So apples and oranges, different levels of their career and everything. Yeah.
3: It's also worth pointing out that Tidwell is facing competition that's probably worse than what he faced in college at St. Lucie. Uh,
2: yes and no. I I feel like we're still kind of figuring out the, the, the great adjustment from you know everything getting cut. Sure. I, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I don't think it's as stark as it used to be. Mm-hmm. Because you know, you, you, if if Tigwell is in low A in you know 2019 when we still had short season A and rookie ball and everything like that, I would say like yeah. Now it's like you're you're getting a g- giant amalgamation of you know international guys that were there the year before and GCL guys and and people coming up and college guys and everything like that in one big mushmash of of a roster in St. Lucie. Oh excuse me, at, at low A
0: in general.
3: Mm-hmm. It's
2: Yeah. But also Look. that's what he should
1: be doing. So mm-hmm. like, yeah. like I I hate to be like this kind of simple, but also okay, he's facing competition he's better than good that he's dominating them.
3: Yes. That's the sign of a <laughs> that's the sign that the stuff is there. Otherwise we would be concerned. I mean the same goes for um, Kevin Parada, who was also quite good so oh yeah needs to good for saint Lucie, but yeah. that's what he should be doing at mm-hmm. saint lucy mm-hmm. it's good almost time. like it's almost like um is, i'm thinking in football terms like a lot a lot of times i think you look at rookies in the the football preseason you're like okay if they suck that's a little concerning if they're good mm-hmm. well okay it doesn't mean anything right so because it's the preseason doesn't mean anything this means more than that but I I think the bigger takeaway is that he didn't suck at a point where he shouldn't have, and that's great. And his shoulder is still intact. And let's see what he does next year when they send him to Brooklyn
2: to start the year. I presume. I would, I would would skip him. I mean, I don't think he has anything left to prove. No, even though it was, it was like, you know, five starts, you know, 19 (sighs) innings all combined, whatever, but still he's a pitcher, man. Like, I don't want to waste his bullets in St. Lucia. Yeah. No. but be- we were we were saying the same thing about you know all those college pitches last year and none of them are on the same level as Tidwell so I mean that is a factor but at the same time we did not imagine that all these guys would be starting all those guys would be starting off in St. Lucie and would have and and were in St. Lucie for as long as they were so mm-hmm. who knows what the Mets are doing <laughs> but yeah he's he's good
3: it's 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 also a little grim that he's the best pitching prospect in the system now.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you had Matt Allen the wild card, and I think we all agree at this point that the outlook is not good right now because of, you know, at least based on what we know, which is nothing, which is in and of itself not good because we should have heard something, so... I don't know. Are we Are we ready to pronounce Matt Allen dead here? It's just no. But, <laughs> I mean, people
1: have missed two years for Tommy John and been fine. Look at Zach Wheeler. But also, you don't want to miss it's, two years of Tommy John. <laughs> like you, that's not a good recovery, and you don't know what he's going to look like. I'd this rather will be
2: his pre- third year missed.
1: That's no, true. I'd rather pres- uh, de- declare him uh, dead after I see him pitch next year. Yeah. Like, if he comes back and his stuff is good, then okay, cool. Then, okay, I mean, not cool that you missed all this time, but, like, good that it seems to have recovered anyway. Mm-hmm. Even if it was an arduous recovery, and then you could kind of go on from there. If he looks like Thomas the Pucky, then, well, shit. But that's, both of those things are on the table. Oh, oh then the I'm, Tommy...
3: I'm sad now. Because
1: the Pucky was a legitimate prospect, and his mm-hmm. arm went out bad and here we are yeah so you, you just we just it i know it's a boring analysis to be like i don't know but i i can't say either way until we see him Pictures, man yep yep
2: no i Hit hope we stab. see him i hope we see him uh next year yeah
3: if we don't if he's not running
2: roster we next, don't see year, him next
3: year then i might just be like that, oh. then it's time to <laughs> stick the fork in him then he quit
1: Because at some point, man, it's got to be... I don't know what's going on at that point.
2: Schrodinger's pitcher. Does he exist? Does he not (laughs) exist? We don't know.
3: Enter my new Microsoft Paints, uh, my AOA OP this offseason with John Cena cast as Matt Allen.
2: (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, this is basically... uh, to let you know, Syracuse is going to be playing that one little three-game series against the uh, Iron Pigs this upcoming week, and after that, you know, baseball is going to be over. So, well, minor league baseball is going to be over until the uh, AFL. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been fun.
3: And overall, uh, and I'm sure we'll do a more full retrospective episode for the system as a whole, but. I think you have to be reasonably pleased with the progress the system made this year. Uh, Absolutely. The draft has been really from the draft on.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Because in the beginning it was kind of dire, but they drafted pretty well in terms of really beefing up their their lower levels, um, even more so. And St. Lucie was good and Brooklyn was good. So, I mean, Alex Ramirez
3: took a big step forward. Stanley Kotsweger got back on the field and looked good. Brett Beatty and Francisco Alvarez kept doing what you wanted them to do. Dominic Camel made lots of strides. So did Seymour before they traded him. Um, Ronnie Mauricio, um, uh, Mark Vientos. uh, mm, yeah, those, right. yeah. <laughs>
1: Exists. Still trying
2: to figure out Ronnie Maurizio. Still trying to figure it out. I ain't trying to figure out shit. <laughs> hey, how many other how many other shortstops are there? What do he, he ends up the season with, I think? 24 or 25 homers? More than there don't used know. to be. Yeah. I don't know, man. If we could take Ronnie Maurizio's eyes out and replace them with like who has a really good walk rate?
1: Juan Soto. <laughs>
2: well, <laughs> I, th- I think he would have actually a net downgrade, though. If you could take Ronnie Mauricio's power and give it to Brett Beatty, because Ooh, yeah. Beatty I is, think, uh, he raw has power. power but,
3: I think Beatty has more raw power, or at least as
1: right, much. But, as. What if you gave it to Jake Mangum? Oh, yes, the there answer. you go. All right. Because that, that, adds- starter.
3: <laughs> that dude is that. Then I'm saying goodbye to Brandon Nimmo And putting <laughs> yeah. Jake Mangum in center field next year Then he
2: becomes Juan Soto
3: Jake Mangum with R- or Ronnie Mauricio's power is. Let's see fangraphs. Let's go to the Fangraphs leaderboard And find a comp for Jake Mangum With Ronnie Mauricio's
2: power Mike Trout when he was like Really good no, defensively he's not that good Yeah <laughs>
3: Not let's ge- let's try not to make generational comps. Also, Mangum doesn't walk enough for that. I don't think walks well, a little see. bit. Doesn't strike out a ton, but has power. Uh, Andres Jimenez? That's a good player. Uh.
0: Yeah, Andres does Rudy hit four. That's just-
3: adjacent. All right. I'm not happy with either of those names. It might honestly be, no, Brandon Nimmo still walks too much. Kyle Tucker, maybe? That's a Kyle, good one. That's Kyle a good one. Tucker's a nice little player. Like He probably walks a little bit more than Mangum, too. So Kyle Tucker with fewer walks, but better defense.
2: I would take it. I mean, obviously, we'd all take that. All right, so now we just need to figure out how to merge the two. Lucas, you are the resident scientist. You get on that. <laughs> get on that. that get i
3: that. I'll, I'll, I'll just go back to the start of my PhD and start working in a totally different field, and I'll get back to you in six years when I have <laughs> completely <laughs> lost my sanity. That is if I don't lose my sanity in the next two months trying to finish this PhD.
2: While also watching the Mets in the playoffs. Oh, God. I hadn't even <laughs> thought about that part. Mm-hmm. Last time they were in the playoffs, though, sustained run in the playoffs. It did go pretty good. So Last time they
3: were in the playoffs, for real, I threw out my shoulder, like throwing a ball off the wall because I was so pissed after the Chase utley Ruben Tejada incident.
2: Mm.
3: Went to the parking garage down the street and just whipped a tennis ball at the wall for like two hours, and I couldn't lift my arm the next day. <laughs>
2: Maybe not the best life choice, but no. also completely warranted at the same time. Well, obviously, fuck Chase Utley. And if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complex.queens at com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at Elvlahos343, Ken is at Ken1191, and Thomas is at S Z N. Subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from, rate and review. And of course, we thank you for listening, and we will be back next week. So until then, love the Mets, love the Mets.